You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, podcasters. Welcome back to the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining us once again today is our old friend, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Doing great, man. Great time of year. Man, you're always March, good. Mad- March Madness, spring training. March what, Madness. Two, about two, two weeks till opening day. Can't get much better than that. That's true. Except, wait, what is this? You're talking about basketball? I thought the basketball was over. My teams are long gone. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, only the good teams are still playing. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what it is? I see. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I guess that's why uh, none of my teams are still alive. But I, I like you. I've been enjoying the... The March Madness. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in, at the end of the podcast and give our final four picks if you want to do that. But absolutely, but let's hop into the Reds. Uh, you know, probably the biggest uh, question mark over the last week and really all of spring training, but it's coming to a head here lately. Is our intrepid closer Coco Cordero? What's going on with him? Well, it depends on who you want to ask. You want to ask Dusty Baker or you want to ask me? You know, Dusty Baker says there's nothing to worry about. You know, it's not his ankles. And his arm says his ankle's fine, says his arm's fine, yada, yada, yada. But he's getting his butt kicked like, you know, the University of Virginia in, a, in an ACC game. Easy now. Come on, man. Gosh, that, that's completely uncalled for. <laughs> but, I mean, in, you know, there may, in fact, there was a little blurb in the Enquirer today. I mean, they felt like the need to tell us that he pitched a scoreless game in a minor league or a scoreless inning in a minor league game yesterday. I saw that. I'm very concerned about about him. I mean, he's a substantial portion of the budget, and if he's not effective this year, this team's in big trouble. Well, I agree. I think it takes what is potentially a strength for this team. I, I think the bullpen's going to be okay if he's, you know, if Cordero's pitching like he can. But I agree. I, I'm not comforted by an inning, a scoreless inning against minor league competition. This guy's thrown. You know, I'm looking at his spring numbers here: six innings. 17 hits, 12 earned runs. I mean, whew. Yeah, that's scary. Now, you know, I think you and I have talked in the past, and neither one of us think they should have signed Cordero to begin with, I believe. I think you felt the same way, didn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, I thought that it was a lot of money, given the what this team's budget realities were, to spend on a guy who, you know, well, I don't know. I've never been completely confident in Cordero. I like and, the guy. And, and I think, as, as a rule, closers are overpriced anyway. And, and I'm getting close, and I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm getting real close to the point where I'd be ha- I'd be confident giving Burton the ball in the ninth inning. Absolutely, I'm a huge Jared Burton fan. You know, I understand not wanting to throw him in that closer's role too soon, but golly, at some point this guy has—you can just tell watching him—he's got the makeup of a guy that can be a star closer, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's got real good stuff. He seems to keep his composure on the mound, and, and there are times when he's on, he's just nasty. Completely unhittable. Uh, you know, he's got that cutter that he throws, and I keep hearing it. I've heard it ten times. Scouts comparing that cutter to uh, Mariano Rivera's cutter. Now, I don't want to say Burton is going to turn into Rivera, but he's got a pitch that uh, I'm like you when he is on. Goodness gracious, uh, he can't be hit. Yeah, he he can make some hitters look really really bad when he when he's on his game. Cordero, you know, when he's on his game, he's. He's a tough pitcher too. I, you know, I like Cordero, but when what we I think our issue with signing him was only that if you're going to spend that kind of money 
getting a you know a starter would be more valuable uh, for that type of money to the team, you know, than a guy who's going to throw you know how many seventy innings uh, I think Cordero threw last year. Right, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't want to break that down to how much he was making per pitch. No, definitely not. You know, <laughs> seventy and one third innings, and you know he had a he had some rough spots last year, but overall, you know, it wasn't a bad year. ERA of three point three, you know, but if he is if this you know he had surgery I guess in the off season if that injury is causing his problems this spring if that's going to linger into the regular season man we're in big trouble well I think I think mainly because then here we're talking about the bullpen more as a is a, a complete unit you know it, it makes everybody move up a, it move into a different role and you know I don't know about you but I'm not real confident. That, you know, I know how much you love David Weathers. You, I mean, you're the president of the David Weathers fan club. Uh, exactly. Yeah, he's my hero. And and you know, but between Weathers and Lincoln and Rhodes, I mean, these are all older guys, and you don't know how much longer they're going to be able to get major league hitters out. Yeah, those three guys that you mentioned, Weathers, Lincoln, and Rhodes, I think are sort of wild cards. Uh, Weathers looks like he's on the, you know, precipice, ready to fall off the cliff at any time. Rhodes, you know, had had a good year last year, uh, but he's old. Lincoln, I like Lincoln, but you know he he was out of out of the game for two years. He had a reasonable year last year. I don't know what to expect out of him. I do expect Burton to have a good year. I expect Bill Bray to have a good year out of that pen. But well, uh, well, let's 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 talk about Bill Bray for a minute. He's been hurt at least twice in spring training. He's had a history of injuries. How much do you want to count on Bill Bray? I don't want to count on Bill Bray. Well, I do agree in the sense that. He's got a serious uh, injury history. Um, but on the other hand, when he's pitching, I, I'm more confident in him when you can actually get him out on the mound than uh, anybody other than probably Burton uh, when you're talking the non-Cordero relievers out there. Yeah, I think he's got great stuff, and I think Chris even mentioned that in, in, in the interview we did with Chris Welsh a few weeks ago. You know, he, you know that, that Bray has nasty stuff, but you know, he, he, already this spring he said the shoulder problem. Then I think he had a hamstring problem. You know, it, it just seems like it's one thing after another. And, and, and to be honest, between you and me and the fence post right now, I think he's fighting for the last spot in the bullpen. And I don't think he's got it wrapped up. And my guess is he has options left. Yeah, he's got to have options. I'm not sure if he does or not. Um, you know, I, I, I think Viola is still in camp. I don't think he's been sent down yet. And Herrera is still in camp. Both are left-handers. And I don't think either one of those, uh, Viola or Her- Herrera, I don't think either one of them has given up a run this spring. I don't either. Now, Viola isn't on the 40-man, and that, that could come into it. Uh, Herrera is on the 40-man. you know. I, but I, I don't think Bill Bray is, is a given to make this 25-man roster at this point. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Herrera is tough to root against Herrera. You know, he's about, what's he, like three foot six or something like that. Um, but fun to watch pitch. Uh, and he just gets people out. Yeah, there was a there was a little blurb in the Enquirer a couple of days ago, and they were talking about Herrera, or, or maybe it was an article, I can't remember now. And they were saying that he throws five pitches or six pitches, and, and Dick Pohl said to the report, he said, "I think he's holding out on you." He said, "I think he's got three or four other ones." <laughs> yeah, so really. He, I mean, he must, uh, you know, he needs a catcher to take the mitt off his hand to flash the signals. He's got so many pitches. He's the very definition of really, in a lot of ways, of that crafty left-hander. He just he. He knows how to get people out. I think he could be an effective reliever in the majors. I really do. I hope so. Um, but I, you know, I, we were talking a little bit about the bullpen. You know, I, I think the bullpen. I think it's in the running. I think either Bailey or Massett will be the 
one of the you know the long right hander. But other than that, I think this left last left handed spot is the last battle in the in the bullpen. And, and whether it's Bray or Herrera or maybe Viola's the outside, you know, he's probably the outside guy. I would assume. But I, I think that spot's still up for grabs. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. And the other spot, we we've, we've talked about it a hundred times, but why not talk about it again? That sort of long reliever spot. It's going to come down to Massett and Bailey, looks like. Um, maybe Owens. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, John Faye said today in the Enquirer, and I tend to agree with him, at this point Owings has got the, the number five spot in the rotation wrapped up. I agree. So the, so the question that I have then is, is has Massett pitched his way off of the 25-man rotate uh, out of the roster? You know, he's, he's out of options, so you have to believe they want to hold on to him. But Bailey has been much more effective, and, and you know, will options – and, and ineffectiveness overrule somebody that pitched well in the spring. I, I think it'll be real interesting, and I think it may say a lot about where the Reds think of Homer Bailey and, and what they think about keeping the best 25 guys when they make that decision. I agree. The things about Massa that you got to look at are, number one, he's not pitched well. I've seen him a couple times this spring, and he just he's not impressed me much. On the other hand, in order to send him down uh, to AAA, he's going to have to clear waivers, and I'm not sure that he would clear waivers as much as a premium is uh, placed on pitching around the majors. I'm not sure he'd clear waivers to, so that they could send him down because he has no options left. I think you know. I don't know if you got a chance to see the Reds yesterday against the Pirates. Homer Bailey pitched, and uh, you know Homer Bailey he had a rough one rough inning there, but uh, he showed more maturity on the mound. He didn't get didn't get rattled. I didn't think. And his uh, velocity was back up. I was fairly impressed uh, with young Mr. Bailey. So, I, but I agree, it'll it'll sort of say something about the organization's uh, outlook. We'll get some idea about what uh, Walt Jockety thinks and and Dusty Baker about how they make that decision. I, I still yeah. I still think they're going to send Bailey to the minors just because Massett doesn't have options. I was I was pretty confident of that earlier, but every day I become less confident of it. And and I, I with the organizational depth this team has on the mound, I think they might you know try to sneak sneak mass it through and figure if they didn't, well they still made their major league team better by by keeping uh, Bailey. I, I I don't know that they'll do that, and I don't have a feel one way or the other at this point. But you know if you did when we talked last. I was pretty confident that Bailey was going to start in Louisville. I'm not as confident of that now as I was a week ago. I agree. The chances are, are certainly better at this point than I would have said they were uh, a week or two weeks ago. Absolutely, just based on the way that Bailey has sort of handled everything that's come been thrown at him. You know, they talked to him yesterday after the game. Well, would you be interested in, you know, pitching out of the bullpen if that's what the Reds wanted you to do? And his immediate response was, um, "Yeah, absolutely. Whatever." It, takes to help the team win now that's you know that's sort of the cliches that you crash davis would have you saying but on the other hand uh you know homer bailey's not always been that type of guy to give that type of answer and uh i think that goes back to what uh, he's finally gotten back on hal mccoy's good side and all the beat writers i uh, think think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread all of a sudden um but his his stock is rising again yeah i agree and uh, you know there are guys guys on this blog we, we you know guys that, that we that we both talk to that believe that it's you know it, it, it's a good idea to start guys you know young guys like Bailey in, in the major league bullpen, I, you know work for Earl Weaver and that was in the 70s and 60s, but you know who's to argue he's a lot smarter baseball guy than I'll ever be. Well, you know I agree. I, you know give me the success Earl Weaver had absolutely, but I think Bailey is uh, looks to me from my untrained uh, viewpoint here 
he's at a point in his career where what how does it hurt him to pitch at long relief in the in the majors you know until he because uh, how many times is a team number one their fifth starter going to be their fifth starter all year their injuries things happen he'll get a spot starts uh, in the majors I just I think it's the best thing for him if he can handle it. Yeah, the only question you have is, is you know, he's he's a number one guy. He's he's making a lot of money, and and you wonder whether he'll get enough work in that long roll, especially if the Reds' rotation is as good as we think it'll be. You know, or is he going to be doing a whole ton of sitting out in the bullpen and not a whole lot of pitching? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a. It, I guess that's what you have to weigh whether you want him to get that uh, start every five days, get his work in in AAA. Um, you know, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. We'll see what uh, what Walt Jockety and Dusty Baker think about it here. Should be finding out that uh, fairly soon, actually. Yeah, it's one of those organizational decisions. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about final decisions on the roster and things like that, another one we've mentioned a couple times is something that we've been speculated on here lately is with respect to Jeff Kepinger and, and one of those spots on the bench. Maybe Adam Rosales is... Worked his way into that spot. What are your opinions on that? I, I'm a big Keppinger fan. Uh, I really like the guy. Uh, I watched Rosales play in, in Dayton two years ago, I think. Three years ago. I, heck, I can't keep track. Um, he's a good ball player. I, I'm not ready to give up on Keppinger yet. And Rosales, I believe, I'm almost positive, has options. Uh, I would at least give Kepinger April or May, or April and May, or April into May, to try to get himself straightened out before I, you know, unless I got an overwhelming deal, you know, offer for Kepinger and you aren't going to get one. Uh, I think it's too early to be to be pulling the, you know, the the string and throwing throwing Kep, getting rid, you know, getting rid of Kepinger for a young guy just for a bench guy. I, I you know, I like a little bit of veteran presence on my bench. I, I'm a huge, I'm like you, I'm a huge Kepinger fan. Um, I, you know, we have to, I, I agree, we need to get, he needs to get more time. Uh, he needs to get the first uh, shot at that spot. But man, he's really not been the same since he had that injury last year. Um, you know, from the plate, he was never a great fielder. He's uh, competent. Uh, not going to kill you too bad, although there were times last year when he was pretty rough. But I'm just wondering, when is he going to get his stroke back? He's not hit very well this spring either. No, but, you know, again, we're talking sample size, and that's why, you know, I want to give him into the regular season before we, you know, start making any rash decisions. I mean, the guy has always hit. So, you know, I, you have to believe that's going to come back. And, you know, if it doesn't, you you know, you you make that decision in, in a month. You know, a guy off your bench shouldn't be costing you a ball game, so I think you can afford to make that decision a little later, and it's not like you're going to lose Rosales if he's, if he's the guy. Exactly. He definitely has options. I mean, there's no issue there. Um, I think the choice is pretty clear, but uh, you're right about Kepinger, first of all. He's always hit every level he's been at, every organization. He's He's got on base and he's hit. He really, that, and he'll give you good good at bat every time he comes to the play. So that's a valuable guy to have on your bench. Um, but, you know, since that injury, he came back last year, did not hit well. You know, I agree with you. There's a, too small a sample size just to judge on his spring numbers, but, you know. 40 at bats, batting average of 150, slugging percentage of 150, 171 on base percentage. I mean, um, yeah, he's struggling. There ain't any doubt about that. Okay, trivia question. All right, let who me hear. The, who did the Reds trade to get Jeff Kepinger? Russell. 
<laughs> Russell, halt the wanger. That's who it was, one of yeah. our original guys. One of our original spotlight players for a brief time there. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Um, I still hear from Russell periodically. He's doing well. Oh, good, good. He, uh, well, you know, that's a pretty good deal as it turns out for the Reds, I guess. Oh, absolutely. It was a great deal for the Reds. Yeah. And, but I think that leads us into talking a little bit about the Reds' bench. I mean, you know, if you assume, you know, the, the eight that we all assume are going to start, and I think Chris Dickerson has answered any questions about at least being the semi-regular left fielder in spring training. I mean, he can't do any more than he's done this spring for the Reds. He's earned his shot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're looking at – you have to be looking at Hannigan, Keppinger, and Harrison on the bench, and then that leaves probably two more spots on the bench. One of them, I think, has to be Gomes um, to give you that, that, that other solid, you know, another solid right-hand bat with some power. And that gives you choices if, if you want to rest. You know, if Dickerson isn't hitting um, left-handers and you want, to, you want to come with Gomes or Harrison. But then, you, you know, but then you got four right-handed hitters on the bench. Does that mean Nix is the automatic guy? Is that, in the, is that last guy on the bench, do you think? What about Daryl Ward? That's the guy I like. I don't know much about Ward. Uh, tell me about him. He hits. I mean, that's he's uh, you know he he can't play much other than the first base is the problem. But uh, the guy's left-handed always right-handed. a left-handed hitter. Always been able to hit. Um, I think he's your left-handed pinch hitter off the bench, uh, in my opinion. So him instead of Nick's. I think so. Although you know I like Nick's. I don't think uh, Nick's gives you a little bit more versatility. But just you know looking at Daryl Ward, uh, you know. Yeah, Nick. Nix has been a good, solid 4A player. You know, he, he's never really done put it together at the major league level, but he's put up really good numbers in AAA, and he could he could help you off the bench. Uh, I don't know much about Ward, and to be honest with you, he kind of slipped through my research. I kind of dropped the ball on that one, but I think that last spot has to be a left-handed bat off the bench. Yeah, uh, you know, Ward is what 30, 33 years old. He's a left-handed hitter. He's just he's got some pop. He's got some power. I think that. If they're looking for a guy that's strictly a bench guy, that they want some left-handed power off the bench, I think Ward's your guy. But again, you're, you know, when you talk about versatility, he's not going to be able to play anything other than first base. Yeah. Um, the other question is, you know, he's not on the forty. Gomes isn't on the forty. You have to want, you know, you have to wonder who they who they would be looking at dropping off the forty or moving from a, you know, from a fifteen to a sixty-day DL or something like that. Well, those would be some difficult decisions. Big time decisions they've got to make. I, I want to I say this. I think Johnny Gomes has this team made. I think he's a lock to make the opening day roster. I All think. Right. They, I think. He, I don't see how he. Could, I don't see how you could argue against him. But if you're going to take Johnny Gomes, it, it'd be tough to argue against Nick's if you're just basing it on spring training performance. Well, that's true. Although you know, yeah, let me pull up uh, Nick's numbers here. Let's see. Yeah, he's I've got 353 on base, 567 slugging, and 30 at bats. Couple home runs, you know. Gomes, yeah. is, Gomes got 323 on base, 679 slugging. I mean, those two guys have played well. They're neck, they're neck and neck. I mean, their their numbers are very similar. But you know, again, we're talking sample size. Exactly, exactly. Um, I I just I feel like they're going to take Ward. I feel like they're going to keep Daryl Ward strictly because uh, he he's going to have a little bit more pop. Than, than Lance Nix. And, 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 and either one, you're going to have the same 40-man issues. I mean, it, it's looking like they're going to have to make drop at least two guys off the 40-man. And and those are not going to be easy decisions for this team. I mean, these are guys, you know, that, that 
are highly thought of. One name we haven't mentioned, and I'm really happy that we haven't really mentioned it, is uh, Jacques Jones. I, looks like he's – we're in no danger of having Jacques Jones inflicted on us for a full season. I'm curious to see if he if he takes an assignment to Louisville. I hope he doesn't because I, I think he could end up costing a young guy some playing time down there for no apparent reason. At some point he's going to have to realize that he's going to have to do something like that if he wants to salvage any kind of a career. Um, right. He's, he's not uh, – He's not hit for a while, and you know he's batting 114, 184 on base this spring. And again, we always got to say sample size, but that sort of is it right in line with the decline we've seen at his career the last couple of years. Well, the other thing with Jones too is, and it's not like he hasn't been given a shot. You know, of the guys we're talking about, he's got more at bats than Nicks, Gums, or Hopper. Hopper's another guy we haven't mentioned. Um, he's a a guy that, that that would seem to be straight out of the Dusty Baker mold, you know, he's a havoc guy. He's definitely a havoc guy. But he's been horrible in spring training. But he but he has options left, so you have to believe he's going to be in Louisville. So again, I, you know, he's not. I don't think he's going to go down there and sit. Hopper's another guy who might have missed his window of opportunity last year when he got injured. Uh, you yep. know, he was a guy that had a real good chance of solidifying himself as a. Uh, you know, a bench guy for this organization, a fourth outfielder. You know, a lot of people are high on him because he, he's fun to watch. He runs fast and, run, you know, lays down that bunt and uh, flies down the line, and he creates havoc. But, yeah, I think he's going to end up in Louisville to start the year. But but we'll see him in Cincinnati probably at some point this season, um, fourth yeah, or fifth. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, last year he probably would have gotten some pretty consistent playing time as bad as Patterson was playing. So he'd have probably got some time early. And then once they traded Dunn and Griffey, they were looking for a center fielder, and he, he would have gotten time then, you know, some consistent time then, again, because Pat, how awful Patterson was. So like you said, I think it's a very good point that, that he missed his window of opportunity by, by spending the whole year on the DL with, what was it, an elbow or a shoulder or something? I mean, it was something weird. Yeah, and it was really, it was his, you're right, they, they played Patterson there, you know, July and August there when, he, Dusty Baker felt like he really didn't have any other options. Um, right. That would have right. been that would have been a good time for Hopper to earn. Some, that's when you know eventually Dickerson came up and. Uh, yeah. And then he got hurt before the end of the year. He did. He did. There was a lot of at bats at the end of that season for some people. Yeah, there was there was some at bats to be had late in the year. Yeah. Uh, about Lance Nix and versus Daryl Ward, I wanted to mention one other thing. I was talking about Ward doesn't give you as much versatility, but you know with Nix he can play the outfield at different spots in the outfield, but. I don't know that the Reds are going to be hurting for people that can play the outfield. You know, you've got Hairston playing. You can play all, all over the all over the diamond. You know, so he provides a little more versatility. If you need an outfielder, you can plug him in out there. I don't think the fact that Ward is limited to first base, I don't think he'll play much first base. I think he's going to be that twenty fifth guy off the bench if he makes the roster. You know, late inning. Uh, Left-hander, yeah, and he might hitter. give Joey Votto a blow once in a while. You know, tough left-hander. They they, they give Votto a day off, and, and and you know, I don't think. I think looking ahead, I wouldn't be surprised if Baker threw Votto, you know, out into the outfield once or twice, just just to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. And, and we'll and, start- you know, I don't I don't know that that'll happen, but I, I can't tell you it would surprise me. I I would be interested to see if Alonzo just comes out ripping the ball yonder Alonzo in Double A this year. Uh, how that uh, sort of makes the Reds view Joey Votto, whether they want to give, start giving him some at bats out there. You know, if he's slugging 550 or something in the Double A, ripping home runs, um, 
that could be your first baseman of the future. So there's that's gonna be something to watch this year. It'd be interesting. I'll tell you what, that Carolina team could be fun to watch. They might be loaded. Yeah, they, they very well could be loaded down there. Yeah, uh, you know, especially you know if if some of the young guys from get pushed back out of Louisville back down into Carolina. And then you got Alonzo, and then you got you know maybe like Logan Parker, and you got probably going to have Francisco there. You're going to have, uh, I think, I think you're going to have Todd Frazier there. There's going there are going to be some balls flying down there in, in, in Carolina and in Mudcat Country. Yeah, there are going to be some kids that can mash. I think down in Raleigh, they're going to really or Zebulon, I guess, is where they are. They're going to love the Res organization after watching this team for the first year. And we talked yeah. earlier about maybe trying to make a trip down there. I think that'd be fun. I hope we can can do that. Well, we're hoping to catch some of our guys down there this spring or this yeah, summer. We have a Red Leg Nation outing at uh, Zebulon yeah. Ballpark, Mudcat <laughs> Field, or whatever it is. Yeah, I've been there to it. It's a strange looking park, but uh, but that'd be a lot of fun. We'll try to get down there. Uh, one last thing, when we're talking about the roster makeup, and here's something that we've heard some a little bit of speculation about. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Some people think that we're not even mentioning the guy that they're going to keep as the 25th man on that roster that we haven't mentioned him yet. Wilkin Castillo. Uh, you know, I, I, I know there's some, there's some guy, I can't remember his, his name on the blog that talks him up big time. And I, I just don't see any way in the world. This guy makes a ball club. I mean, I don't even, I couldn't tell you what his spring training numbers are. I, I mean, he's, he's so far off my radar, but he's never hit anywhere, you know, and just cause you can pull, you've got to own a bunch of different gloves. Doesn't mean you're good at any of them. I, I, if they kept him, if I, to me, it would be a travesty. I'm with you. It makes absolutely no sense. But now they've done lots and lots of things over the last decade that I thought well, made would no give sense. them three catchers. That's exactly what I was going to say. How long has it been since the team <laughs> didn't have three catchers? Uh, you know, I, I think that, like we said that one other podcast, there's some sort of organizational bylaw. I think this team has to have three catchers, and so I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Castillo, it's like, a, it's like a blood oath. That's right. And he's, you know, Castillo can play other positions as well around the infield, evidently. But I'm like you. The guy, he's never been able to hit anywhere he's been. Um, and just because you can play a lot of positions doesn't mean we want you to play uh, those positions. He, you know, he, can, he may be able to hurt the Reds at a bunch of different positions. So I think, but, I think let's assume he doesn't make the team and is in Louisville. I think it'll be interesting to see who's the regular catcher in Louisville. You know, whether the Reds like him as a catcher, you know, whether he's playing a lot as a catcher. I, I watched Craig Tatum play in Dayton, and, and defensively, Craig Tatum is a very good player. And when he can help you offensively, he's he's a he's he could be a, a you know a surprise player. I think uh, maybe along the lines of a Hannigan or something like that. Um, and then they got the you know it looks like they're looking at like maybe Jorgensen. I guess is their number. You know, is another catcher possibly down there or Denovi maybe uh, Krosky, right. I don't know. But it'll be I think the catching job at Louisville will be real interesting to see how it shakes out. I saw this week where Tatum got uh, reassigned to the minor league camp. He comes fairly highly touted defensively. The question with him is going to be: Is he going to is he going to hit enough, um, get on base enough? If he does, I think I agree. He's the type of guy that can give you like what I kind of expect out of Hannigan. You know, yep. uh, uh, you know, three, four, five year decent little uh, window here where they can really can contribute to a major league team. Um, that'd be interesting to see. I could see Craig Tatum kind of being somebody's you know pet catcher. You know, he, he's, he kind of reminds me of that kind of guy, you know. He'll find a, a pitcher that he's real comfortable or works real well with, and, and he'd become that guy's, you know, his, his number one catcher. I think a lot of this, we've, we've talked about it several times already today, is opportunity. 
Tatum's the type of guy, I think his sort of skill set reminds me of a guy that could, in the right situation, could be Joe Oliver. You know, Oliver came into the right situation where there was an opening and he was able to play several years, you know. Um, oh, I think that's a great comparison. I never thought of that, but I think that's a great comparison. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what Ramon Hernandez's future is for this club. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out at catcher over the next couple of years on this yeah, team. He's got, uh, he's on a two year deal, right? Yeah, he's got two years left on his contract, yeah. Yeah. This year and next. You know, and you have to you have to believe you know the Reds are looking long term, and uh, you know even though I don't see any way in the world Mazzarocco's ready in two years. Uh, no. So I mean, you, you've got to, probably got at least one year in between where you're going to have to find another catcher for at least one year. And you you know who knows they may want Mazzarocco to spend a year on the bench before they put him in the rotate you know in the starting role. Who knows? Yeah, he's still he's still very young. What's he nineteen now? Still, he I mean, just I think he just turned nineteen. Yeah, so uh, that's certainly long term, but. Uh, you know, he got fairly high marks for the amount that he improved over the course of last season. So he's another one that I think is going to be interesting to watch this year. Yeah, um, everybody I've talked to talks about how, how much he improved. I think Tom talked about it in the interview we did with Tom Nichols. Matt has talked about how hard Devin worked and how much he improved as a receiver. Uh, and a lot of that credit, and this is I think we've said this before, needs to go to Donnie Scott, who apparently worked with this kid every day, you know, and – a lot of his, his success last year in the second half of the season can be attributed to the work that he did with Donnie. Yeah. You need to go down and get the, get the scoop down there in Dayton on what happened with Donnie Scott. I, I'm really, I don't understand. Not that I, not that I'm disappointed in Benzinger being part, back in part of the organization as the manager there in Dayton, but Donnie Scott seemed to me like he was a, just a classic uh, minor league manager. I, I don't have any clue as to what, Brought this decision about. I mean, Donnie had put had gotten the Dragons into the playoffs the last two years after some after two or three really horrendous years in Dayton. Um, he is the all time winningest manager for the Dayton Dragons. He seems to develop ball players. The kids seem to like him. He's a he, he he's a he's it, it, winning is very big from everything I've everybody I've ever talked to to Donnie Scott. But nobody will talk about why this decision was made. Now, you know, who knows why organizations make decisions to go in different directions, but they changed the entire coaching staff at Dayton this year. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. I, not, I don't know that it, it's going to make a huge difference, but I'd, I'd like to know just from my perspective what happened there. Yeah, it would be. I'm sure it's an interesting tale. That, well, and who knows? You know, there may be more to it than we know, or there may not. You know, it may have just been, you know, we need to feel like we need to make a change, or maybe we need to get our guys in there. Yeah, yeah, who knows. Um, well, that'd be interesting. Lots and lots of – that's one thing about this organization. I think you kind of feel like I do. There's not a whole lot to really be excited about on the major league level this year in terms of uh, potential for contending. But there are a lot of interesting things from the majors all the way down. To, uh, a lot of interesting things to watch for this organization from uh, Mesoraco all the way up to what's going to happen on the major league level some of these young pitchers and it's it's going to be a fascinating season for the Reds I, I don't think we'll be really ready to compete until next year at the earliest but but still could be a very interesting year for Reds fans you sort oh, of feel yeah. I, I think the you know the, the if, you, if you can't get excited about watching a Cueto or a Valquez or, or, a, or a Jay Bruce or a, or a Joey Votto or a Chris Dickerson you know I don't know what gets you excited, you know, watching individual players. 
Um, and I think the, the excitement, I, you know, I'm a big minor league guy. I think the excitement starts on the April the 4th. I think it's the 4th, that Saturday, one, two, three, four. Yeah, April the 4th with that futures game in Dayton. I, I, you know, I think that'll be an exciting day up in fifth, third field. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun um, because, you know, the organization's got a bunch of guys. You talk about the Futures. For the first time in, in a while, you know, Reds fans can really feel like the the cavalry's coming, I guess is the way I like to put it. You know, there's some young guys that uh, the Reds are – they got a chance. If they don't screw it up, they've got a chance at really uh, starting a competitive run here soon. Yeah, I think there's – you know, I'm not sure that we've got the, you know, the, the, the Jay Bruce, Joey Votto level prospects down there, you know, in quantity – Right, but you know, and I'm not. And we've talked about this before. I'm not ready to. Till Alonso shows me something in more than a, a short, you know, in more than a, a few weeks season in Hawaii or, or playing college ball. I want to see him do it in, in Carolina or Sarasota, you know, for a month or month and a half, two months, whatever. But you know, we've got good solid prospects down there. You know, we. I really, really like Danny Dorn. I really, really like Drew Stubbs. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Todd Frazier, I really, really like. Um, Logan Parker's a good hitter. I, I, I'd like to see. I think Logan could be one of the big surprises in the organization this year. He he went into this offseason, I got the impression, with a, with a mission. I think Logan's got a chip on his shoulder. I, I think he took them drafting Yonder Alonzo personally. And, not, and And I don't mean that in a bad way. Sure. What I mean, as a motivating factor to okay, I'm going to show you. This is I'm going to show you what Logan Parker can do. You know, Nephi Soto, Zach Cozart. I mean, these are guys that can be I think can be productive major league players. Yeah, you know, some of the high end talent, uh, the Bruce's and the Votos have sort of graduated to the majors, but there's a ton of people that have really got a good chance of contributing uh, at the major league level within the next couple of years. And you, you know, you named them from Valleca and Frazier all the way down. I. I I think there's a lot to, and it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out this year. I'm, I'm with you. I'm skeptical on Alonzo until he shows me something, but he's certainly got talent. He, you know, he raked in uh, at Miami, and that's a that's a top level college program. Um, who got beat by Virginia the other day, by the way, undefeated Virginia. Yeah, but you know, and and, and that's true. But when they're swinging the metal bat, it, it don't mean as much to me. Well, I agree. He's going to have to show what he can do this year, full right. season in the minor leagues. Right. But, but you know, you watch the kid. He, he's he's got in in college. He had good plate discipline. He's got all the tools. Yeah, he, he's got the chance. You know, and and I, Matt I, has said that about him. Matt has told me that that he has phenomenal plate discipline. Yeah. So he has to prove himself. I agree. He has to prove himself. But this year, it'd be real interesting to see if he can. Because yep. if he does, if if he turns into the the stud hitter like everybody thinks he is, uh, you know. Uh, it makes things really interesting over the next couple of years. It'll be interesting. Let's assume that let's assume that he isn't unconscious. You know, he going going. You know, he's not carrying a, a you know a twelve hundred OPS for the first six weeks or something like that. Right. You know, let, let's assume he's you know doing a solid job an eight fifty nine hundred OPS and, and he starts the year at Carolina. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him, whether they leave him there or whether they feel like because of the contractor for whatever reason they need to push him to Louisville. Because then you got a whole different group of decisions you got to make with guys at Louisville to make right. for Yonder Alonso. And all of these decisions are going to impact you. You mentioned Parker a minute ago. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I get the sense he's going to have a big year, and it's, it's going to be dependent largely on how much of a chance he's going to get. I mean, how yeah. many at bats? Yeah. Um, 
as much as I hate to say it, you know, I, I think Logan believes that he's going to start the year in Carolina. I hope he does. If but if Yonder's there, he's not going to play a whole lot of of first base now. I know that you know they don't. Someone told me they don't use the DH all the time in the Southern League, so that's going to limit his his plan there. You know, maybe they'll give him a shot in the outfield. Yeah, and he mentioned he was willing. Yes, to to do that. So that a lot of questions to be answered over the next little bit. So yeah, you see the before we get into our final four picks, did you see the the pictures from the crowd? I think uh, this past Saturday they sold some more opening day tickets uh, in Fountain Square. Did you see you see some of those pictures? I always no, I did not. I saw one picture that was in the Enquirer today. Looked like a pretty good crowd. Jersey. Yeah, they gave out jerseys. I think with the names of the first two people in line. I think one of them was uh, bawling, really excited over getting that jersey. Uh, but I thought I thought the Reds PR department, and I, I noted this at the blog at RedLegNation.com. I thought they did a pretty good job with all that. Looking like this is going to be the first time in six years that I'm not going to make it to opening day. I just. I don't know. I'm having a hard time justifying spending the money on tickets, and it's a you know pretty good drive for me. So I enjoy it. I love the pageantry of it. I love uh, you know it's just it's always fun. It's but a holiday in Cincinnati. It's, it's a, a holiday. holiday in Cincinnati. It is, and it's a it's a blast. It's always a different crowd at the game than if you go to a game in like August or something or September. Oh it's a yeah, different crowd okay. at the oh, big yeah. game. But it's, there's it's, always it's, it's the Cafe Leche crowd at opening day, and it's the uh, Cutipole crowd in August. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That's right. Unless it's a Cubs series in August in which you got a bunch of idiot uh, Cub fans there. They're looking are... for old style. That's right, yeah. Uh, all right, well, it's about time to wrap it up here, but I thought uh, since we started out talking about March Madness, and I am, I'm all over the March Madness. I'm, you know, My teams aren't in it uh, this year, but goodness, I, I've sit in basketball morning to to after midnight, you know, whenever it comes on to when it goes off. I'm I'm a huge fan of college basketball. Um, so let's go ahead and reveal our final four picks. Um, I hope there's no wagering on this because you don't want to you don't want to take my pick. Although I've done pretty well the last couple of years. This year I'm I don't know questionable. I've not done too well in the first couple of rounds. You got. Now, your- I can't believe that somebody in the uh, justice profession <laughs> would be admitting to. Uh, Gambling on on a college event. Oh no, no, that's what I said. No, no game. You're playing for Oreos, right? You're just that's playing right, for yeah. Oreos. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you want, if you want to gamble on it, I'm just telling you, don't take my advice. Don't uh, use my picks. Uh, I'm a big well, college. Well, my final four. I'm a I'm a traditional conservative guy, and for the second year in a row, I believe we're going to have the uh, the number one seeds in the final four. I got Louisville and Connecticut playing with Louisville winning and Pittsburgh and North Carolina playing with North Carolina winning. I got Louisville winning it all. Boy, why don't you go out on a limb there, Bill? Those number one seeds all the way through. And and who was in the Final Four last year? I know, I know. And usually, you know, number one seeds. Wants to pick to go all the way through. Although the twelve seeds did well this year in the first round, but yeah, you know, most years you're going to have at least uh, two and usually three, and even last year four of those number one seeds actually get through. This year we got a pretty good group of number one seeds, I think, but. I've got two number one seeds and two number two seeds going through. I've got uh, Pittsburgh and North Carolina on one side of the bracket. And on the other side, I've got two number two seeds, Michigan State uh, and Memphis. I'm a big Tom Izzo fan. I, you know, I don't care anything about Michigan State, but I think Tom Izzo is an outstanding coach. Memphis, you know, I don't think they're great this year, but I think that's a, I, I don't trust Connecticut. I saw my Georgetown Hoyas beat Connecticut earlier this year, and Georgetown had a terrible year. So Connecticut uh, concerns me. I've got them losing to Purdue, actually. Um, and, and Memphis, 
you know, I don't think they're as good as last year, but they've, they've got some talent, and I think they got sort of a chip on their shoulder a little bit. I've got them going through, but I've got Pittsburgh and Memphis in the championship game, and I've got Pittsburgh winning the whole thing. I, I, I don't know that anybody can guard um, Dewan Blair, and I love Levance Fields for Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's got – I think they, they're the team to beat, in my opinion. Yeah, see, I think Louisville – I don't think anybody's playing better than Louisville right now. That's why I went with them. I think Pittsburgh's susceptible to foul trouble. I could, I could see the only team I can see beat Louisville is Connecticut. When Connecticut's on, I, when Connecticut's on and, and, and healthy, I don't think they've got. A, I don't think. Well, truth be told, Connecticut's that. played a lot better uh, the last two days than uh, well than I expected. They've they've looked pretty good. They looked fantastic yesterday. Um, and so we'll see what happens when they play Purdue because I think Purdue's a really good team. I think they're sort of underrated. They're, uh, they're, they're See, I think as a whole, the Big Ten is the most overrated basketball conference well, in the country. You know, I, outside of Michigan State and Purdue, I agree. I think that those two are really good teams. But, you know, uh, my ACC, I'm an ACC guy, and they they got exposed this year in the tournament. You know, uh, Duke would have lost yesterday if they didn't have three referees uh, bailing them out. Uh, oh, here we go. The anti-Duke, the anti-Duke oh, ACC. Oh, I don't know if you saw him against Texas. I feel, you know, hook them horns, man. They got screwed by the referees in that game. Now, Carolina, if Ty Lawson's healthy, and I don't know if he is or not, but Carolina is tough when Ty Lawson. He, he played, he, I'll tell you what, he played a courageous ball game. Um, I mean, he's, yesterday, he, it, I don't know if they'd have won if it hadn't been for him yesterday. I agree. Well, they're a whole different yeah, team. Yeah, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. But that, that toe injury is one that's not going to, ask LaDainian Tomlinson, it's not going to go away. Well, exactly. Ask Jack Lambert. Exactly. Well, we'll yeah. see who wins. Uh, Louisville, I'm, I agree with you. They're when they're playing well, they've got so many athletes, and they just keep coming at you in waves. I, you know, they're a good team. Yep. But I, I just, I think Pittsburgh has uh, has some of the parts that uh, make them look like a champion. Now, what we've just done is ensure that neither Louisville or Pittsburgh will win. It'll be. Oh yeah, it'll be yeah, somebody be, we didn't even see, mention. All right, Sienna or somebody. Did you see Oklahoma yesterday, man? That <laughs> that Blake Griffin. I've watched him all year. He's unbelievable. Oh he's man, an he is just—he's unstoppable. I don't think they've got the other parts um, to to uh, really make a deep run. But he's—if if they climb on his back, who knows? Because he's just unreal. I've only seen him a couple of times. Then I watched the interview with him after the game yesterday, and he seems like a classy, well-spoken, uh, really quality. Yeah, I'm a fully paid too. member of the Blake Griffin fan club. He's outstanding, and. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Now, I do want to mention, before we go, since we're talking college basketball, I want to make a public plea here. Uh, everybody knows I'm a, a graduate of the uh, University of Virginia. I want to make a public plea to an old Kentucky guy, Tubby Smith, to come to Virginia and coach the Cavaliers. We need a real coach. So we're looking for a coach now. And so there's my public plea to Tubby Smith. You do exactly what you did at Kentucky, and we'll build a statue to you. We won't run you out of town like uh, like they did in Lexington. So, All right. All right, man. There you go. Appreciate you joining us again today. Thanks a lot. Any any final words? There you go. go. We're gonna go cheer for Xavier. It's about time for them to start. So, <laughs> um, good luck to to Sean Miller, Miller and the uh, Xavier Musketeers. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us. As always, send any comments or concerns to Chad at RedLegNation.com. If you got any criticisms, you can send those to Bill at RedLegNation.com. 
Yeah, I can, right. I got a file for that. The circular file. Uh, if you haven't already, go subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or check out the RN radio tab at the top of redlegnation.com for all the updates and information. Thanks again to all of you out there in Red Leg Nation. Uh, once again, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. Mm-hmm.